Hello everyone, it's Shahid here. Welcome back to another Creative Floor Awards podcast. These are my favorite ones. It's when our audience get in touch and they say they want to talk about a topic that's very personal to them. And hopefully this means you won't need to hear too much from me today. But let me introduce our panel. We have the wonderful worldwide creative director of CDM, Ollie Capon. You right, Ollie? Yes, hello. I like the wonderful one. I'll, I'll add that to my email sign-off. <laughs> yeah, because it's not long enough, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can have that one for free, Ollie, on me. Thank you. That's uh, <laughs> all right. Ollie, you're in, you're in London-ish? Yeah, I'm sort of on the outskirts of London at the moment, but coming into the office a bit more often these days, but... Uh... Yes, we'll call it London. We'll call it London. When you're in the UK, now we're going to dash yeah. all the way over to New York and really, really happy to be saying that we've got the ECD, Craft in Creative of InTouch, Nick Capenier. You're right, Nick. Hey, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. No, not at all. What time is it over there? It's early, I guess. In New York City, it's 9 a.m., yeah. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully this will wake you up. And if it doesn't wake you up, that's fine. There's a mute button so you can just sleep away. So Exactly. <laughs> um, and then we're going to dart over to Chicago. And we have the head of production at In Touch, British Randall. You're right, British. Hi. Excited to be here. Excited to have you. I must say, you have the coolest name we've ever had. <laughs> On this podcast. Thank you Certainly so for much. a bunch of Brits. Anyway. I know. <laughs> it's funny. We, we, we work with guys. We work with British and I work with so many production companies in, in the UK, you know, and like that's the same reaction every time. British, I don't, you're probably used to it by now. I am. <laughs> and ironically enough, um, I used to hate my name growing up because it was so different. Uh, but as I became an adult, I started appreciating much, much more. It's, a, you know, pretty unique and it's a really good conversation piece. <laughs> Do you know how it came about? Like, you know, where the origins of that name came from? I do, and there is no excitement about this story other than I was just named after a family friend. That's it. Period. <laughs> well, well, welcome. I'm, I'm so chuffed to have British on, on 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 a British podcast. It's really good. And then we're gonna we're gonna come back over to London, and we've got the owner founder of JSR, Jamie Stephen. You right, Jamie? Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm very well. Thanks, Shahid. Um, thanks for having me, and thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. You're you're in London, or are you at home? I am. Yeah, absolutely in London, in Farringdon, in the office, beavering away. Amazing, that's great. Well, we had a podcast almost this time last year, didn't we, with you, Jamie, called the Production Business. It's available for anyone who hasn't listened to it, and it was a really fascinating podcast because we were at the moment in time where, you know, production was kind of getting into a groove during covid and lockdown and we were talking about all the all the pros and cons and we had some tips and advice for our audience so it was really wonderful when you got back in touch the other day to say look you know maybe we should we should do another podcast and maybe we can talk about how it's all gone with covid we can talk about craft in the new world and i think our audience would be you know massively grateful to hear all of your perspectives on how do you think how covid has changed the production world is it here to stay any tips and tricks that you might have even some warnings potentially and yeah it would just be really fantastic to get your your insights and your input so jamie let me hand it over to you how's it all been how's the last 12 months been for you <laughs> it's been a roller coaster, and you're right, Sheila. I think it is literally almost a year to the month, isn't it, uh, since we did the podcast? And it was 
at the very challenging time where I think production had been shut down and then was opening up again. And we had the APA rules out and the whole COVID kind of protocols of testing and allowing a certain number of people on set. Uh, and it did, it opened us up again. However, it was kind of stop start in terms of actually getting shoots underway. And the whole remote shoot uh, video link thing threw up certain amounts of hindrance during any shoot and slowed us down and added kind of unforeseen costs and complications. However, we, we've actually had a pretty good time, uh, relatively speaking. We've been busy, we've been shooting, and we've been happy to produce work for a range of clients, but it has been constrained in its usual sense. Um, and I think I was very keen to yeah, speak, speak to everyone today with a view to how they feel that has impacted their day-to-day and what constraints it may have put on the output in terms of creative and what has worked really well and which bits, particularly, as you mentioned, are here to stay. Because I think the remote shoot thing uh, is brilliant because we can work with someone based in San Diego or based in Thailand and see it on a day-to-day as long as you're prepared to get up at 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. in whichever part of the world you or your client are in. Um, but but net, net sum, I think it's been a remarkably good time for how the industry has kept going um, and interesting to see how people didn't just go fully into using old assets or stock images and have tried to keep bespoken you know, new work being produced. British, what about you? What's your what's your experience been over the last eighteen months? Um, it's pretty much aligned with Jamie has outlined. Um, I think we have really learned to adapt to the use of technology um, during this <clears throat> environment. It's we've really become very reliant on it from the standpoint of the remote shooting or putting together uh, production kits to different individuals to capture content um, that way. And in an essence, there's some good and there's some uh, negative pitfalls that, you know, you do kind of deal with, with technology, losing links, um, Clients not used to how we've adapted in this environment and kind to trying to level set those expectations with them as to how this works. Um, In some instances, the quality, of course, is not to the same standards um, that you would get, depending on what you're what you're looking to capture. If you were shooting in a live environment um, versus doing a Zoom call which in essence, clients have gravitated to that, even though it was a temporary fix. What I'm finding is that they're still gravitating to that as a means of capturing content, which we all know is not (laughs) the best way to kind of go about that. So, um, you know, I think uh, the remote aspect is definitely here to stay and there is some benefits, but it just never in my opinion, will replace being there on the ground. I guess when you're on a shoot, there is a level of experimentation. And I guess that experimentation comes when you're physically with the team and you get a sense of what's going on. And I I, I imagine there's an essence of detachment when you're just, you know, on on Zoom, I guess. There there is. Um, It's... When, when you're on the ground, you know what that experience is all about. You feel like you're a little bit more in control. Um, being remote, not to say that you're not completely in control, but there is that level of detachment where you can't move and shake like you typically would when you're, um, when you're live on set. 
have the timelines and the budgets changed during covid or, or have they not changed at all are they still the same Oh, they have definitely changed. Um, with COVID, you know, there's now a COVID line item in your in your production bids, and it's um, averaging somewhere between ten to fifteen percent um, of your overall production budget, which can be a substantial amount of bu- a budget when you are working with lean dollars. In addition to the timelines are extended as well because we have to prep for um, adhering to the COVID protocols with cleaning. Um, sets equipment before interim and you know after shoots so that puts a few extra days um, against the timelines which days equate to dollars so there is an uptick in production costs um, due to COVID to ensure that all of the um, production protocols and guidelines are being adhered to. And are the clients okay with that in the main, or do they generally try and push back on that? Because, you know, paying for more and, and, and taking longer to do something isn't necessarily the thing they're all, they're all begging for. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a level of objection, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can do about it. I mean, it's it's required. It has to be done. Um, so it's like, accept it. <laughs> Because it's here. Yeah, I found um, interestingly that that's been a bit of a headache getting certain amounts of COVID uh, testing kits and things through. You're right, British people have accepted that is uh, got to be done. But then at the same time, overall budgets haven't swelled up to cover it, if you know what I mean. Um, so we've still had to be quite competitive against standard production costs. Uh, and certainly we've had some horrors where people have either tested positive in their PCR tests 72 hours before meaning we have to use a stand-in model, or people then turn up on the day and test positive to the uh, antigen test and then have to go back. And, yeah, it, it's certainly thrown up uh, problems, um, which aren't always easily budget-covered, if you know what I mean. Are you able to get insured against things like that happening now? Uh, only just now has there been a statement through uh, two of the insurance people I know who said that you can get that insurance. So up until... Uh, I think literally last month, there, there it was you know act of God and therefore no insurance cover given. I know some of the larger network groups had their own policies, so we were shooting under their cover, but we had to adhere to their COVID safety standards and sign their documentation so that if anything did go wrong, their their policies covered it. But from a private kind of company matter or side, we couldn't get that insurance until very recently. Have you had any jobs that have, you know, they were meant to have happened, but on, you know, on the day because of COVID positive results, you had to pull the shoot or anything like that? Yeah, we had, we had one two weeks ago um, where day two of a four day shoot, they, again, due to budget restrictions, uh, they were traveling in one van rather than in, you know, several vans. And actually the producer, uh, not from our side, but from client side, agency side, tested positive and we had to disband the shoot straight away. Um, we then waited, obviously, 12 days. Everyone did 10 days of quarantine, and we are reshooting that, I think, early next week. Wow. So are you saying that you're basically stumping up a lot of these COVID costs, Jamie, yourselves as a, as a production company? Um, I think, not, is that not, what I'm hearing? Not quite that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be that negative about it. Um, what, what I have found is that we, we've had to – sort of massage our production costs down the stream, as it were. Um, and I found a lot of people who hadn't been working loads wanted to kind of get back to their most um, comfortable, highest day rates. 
And we were saying, well, actually, yeah, you haven't been working for ages and we're having to now cut the budgets, budgets in a slightly different way. So, you know, it, it, what I'm saying is it wasn't a case of like, whoopee doo, here we go. We used to charge 50 grand for this and now we're charging 50 grand plus all the COVID uh, considerations on top. And, and Nick and Ollie, obviously you're sort of two very prominent, massively awarded figures in the industry, probably making a ton of work every single year. Has this changed the way that you're looking at production now in terms of thinking about, well, you know what, doing doing a real shoot is just too much of a headache. We're just going to go down a CGI route or an animation route. Talk to us about what you guys have been up to and how it's changed, if it has changed anything about the way you see work or doing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I think when this started, um, pe- people started saying, you know, we got to do more. Everyone's doing animation because, you know, you can't, you can't get live action going. It's not as easy to do live action. And I, I was at the time I was thinking, shit, I've, I've always wanted to, I always loved animation. Like, this is not new for me. Like <laughs> animation is a thing I'm, I'm always into. So like, that was weird for me that like everyone was talking about non live action as like a, a replacement somehow. And I'm like, eh, it's not really a replacement in my mind. It's like, uh, you know, live action is not the only way to do things. Um, but also, we, you know, I've done personally, I think, at InTouch, where I just, you know, began a few months ago, and then at a prior agency, I think even just in the last year, maybe four or five live, you know, shoots. And it really hasn't been that different of an experience, I have to say. The thing, I think the thing for me is I tend to work with um, photographers and directors who I, I, I know and who I'm really comfortable with. So there's a lot, there's not a lot of need to uh, like, I don't know, insert myself too much. I, I, I try not to over direct things anyway. But I, I, there are some definitely some pros and cons, you know, I mean, there's a, um, there's a, there's a level of complexity when you're doing it either remotely or, or as Jamie said, with, with, um, you know, having to, it was what it was on our shoot actually, Jamie. When when we had an extra just show up and tested positive, everyone else was clear. And then she, she was sent home, and then thought, oh well, we had to get the the assistant wardrobe girl to come and stand in and be the extra extra. So you just kind of have to roll with it a little bit. Um, but on the other hand, I think the positives are that the whole way that the industry has changed and the way we were working generally is that actually it has opened up a lot more possibilities. And you think, well. We all are used to a to a Teams or a Zoom kind of working culture, and maybe you know where I was a bit more hesitant, and I always you know would maybe favour British suppliers or British artists. Um, I'm you know I think we're now go well these people are in uh, in in, uh, Bangkok and we'll use them, and and it's just opened up because it doesn't make any difference so much if you're just all on screen. So there's a kind of you can you. It's a psych- I know they were there always before, but psychologically, you feel like, well, everyone's just, you know, a, a, a screen video conference away from being able to work for us. So, yeah, you sort of hit on many really interesting areas there. I mean, th- the whole world has become more flat, I guess, as we've all become more remote. So, you know, you now accessing mm. a production company in Bangkok is kind of a lot more the mindset's just different of course they're always available i mean do do you think do you think travel will ever come back in that in that respects then Uh, that's an open question to everyone because you know i remember when i was making work in agency land and that was basically why you did it i mean you did it for the for the work but you also did it because you want to go to south africa 
or whoever. You know, you wanted to go somewhere and stay somewhere <laughs> nice, and it, and that was all part of it. it yeah. w- will it ever come back? I think I don't know. For me, I think it's it's I lo- I mean I love traveling and and and, and the like, like you said, uh, Shahid. But I, I think I don't know. Clients are less likely to. Whereas before it was like, you know, hey, we want we want to get you on a plane, we want you to get, get you out here, we need you present. And it's just le- less urgent to get people on the ground, boots on the ground type thing um, when it's just almost as successful, you know, remotely. It's hard to argue with when you have success with Zoom and remote kind of things, it's hard to then have the counter argument to say, well, we need you there. When you can point to something where you go, well, it worked without you being there. So it's like... <laughs> Well, it's not that necessary. Um, I don't know. That's been my experience. I mean, I, I'm in favor of the presenteeism. I think half, you know, half the job of, of being a creative on the shoot is to be able to, you know, um, uh, build that organic, you know, you have a script and you have a shooting schedule and da, 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 but you, you want to be able to go, well, what, if, what if we did it like this? And, you know, things grow in front of you. And I found that much harder remotely um, to, to be able to, to to do and i think yes you can do some good i mean uh, to nick's point i think it's hard to say it's a bit like arguing well why this one photographer over another or one director over another or you know they they, you're just it's sort of an intangible difference i think you somebody will do it absolutely fine remotely but i think if you can be there then we can do as an agency uh, creatives. We can do our jobs better, I think, and and collaborate with the people that we're hiring to do those that job. Um, I mean, it's it's. I take the point of being. I'm, I'm sort of fairly quite hands off most as much as much as I can be because I do think creativity is better if people are allowed to be creative and you're not too directive, but. Equally, you can just have a hand on the tiller a little yeah. bit more easily. I agree. I agree. I agree anyway, that's, my, that's my I, feeling. I, I'd absolutely, a hundred percent, rather be live than not live. Um, but I'll give you an example. We just did. We we did. Um, re, in, within the last year, I did one remote, sh- one live shoot where I was in Buenos Aires um, for a week, which is amazing. Uh, before the pandemic kind of hit, and so did that shoot, and then. Maybe nine months later, during the pandemic, did another shoot for a different, and they were both pharmaceutical clients. So was present at one, and then was remote at another. And then just to compare, you go, well, which one was more successful? Um, and they were sort of equally successful, I, in my in my mind. And and I don't know, I, I do agree with Ali. I'd rather be there, but um, it's I, I haven't had significantly less success not being there i i totally agree with that point as well and i think ollie's point i'd much rather we still travel and we still do it um but i see that over the course of the pandemic the remote shoot has become something that's worked and therefore budget wise it becomes a strong argument from you know the finance people and the the clients the big thing i remember kind of um shortly after our chat a year ago Shahid, was everyone started talking about the virtual sets you know do you remember the mandalorian and how disney did it and this was my inbox suddenly was flooded with these people offering me this as an option in studio uh, here there and everywhere and how we could shoot that way that that i i haven't seen come into our workflow and actually seen an example of it being pragmatic in our industry i think maybe in in film production and in that kind of Disney world, um, futuristic stuff, it works. And perhaps in a couple of years, it will. 
Um, but for the craft and actually having the input of the creators who are the people who've come up with the idea, working with the directors and the photographers to actually get what they want and adapting in the space that is happening, I, I, yeah, I really hope it doesn't go away because that would be a shame for, for us all. Jamie, was that, when you say Mandalorian, was that, I thought they were, were they matte paintings or was that, was that done CGI? I don't so, know. so it was done as a, as a real-time render on screens in studio. So the, all those backgrounds are rendered out um, and actually appear on what are LED screens in studio. So that those, right. yeah, not, not matte painting as such. Um, it's done with a program called um, Unreal Engine, I believe. Yeah, that's cool. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. And I've looked into that process, but it you know, cost-wise at the moment, Disney can get it uh, through. But for, for, for our clients, it's, it's, I think it's a little out of reach at the minute. <laughs> how much How much would something like that cost, Jamie, for setting I'll up a studio? I'll definitely on the spot, Shahid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A billion a lot more money than I'm billing at the moment for projects. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, you have to bring in like five or six different crews because you've got the studio space, then you've got the screens, then you've got the people that render it onto the screens, then you've got the CGI our house or the, you know, the outfit who are going to make those uh, locations or those, you know, those um, 3D scenes. So that there's about, yeah, it, it got very expensive. I, I was looking at 150K a day and then you've got everyone else turning up on set to shoot it. So, wow. yeah, it was pretty mad. Um, but I, the cost will come down like everything else, won't it? Yeah, 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 in time for sure. Oh. Did you want to come in British? Oh, I, I, basically, everyone has just really touched on the points that I, want, I wanted to make um, as it pertains to really being live and on the ground for productions. I think they're um, – I hope it never goes away. Um, honestly, I hope it doesn't modify because <laughs> uh, I think that level of live collaboration really makes um, a difference and you're able to be a little quick and nimble um, in real time uh, when you're on the ground. And when it's remote, something as simple as uh, wardrobe, doing it remotely is remotely is a very daunting task. Um, and also depending on the number of talent that you're dealing with. And then when you're looking at wardrobe from a screen, you're not actually seeing the colors live. So there's a perception that something is looking one way. And then when you actually get there, it's something different, which causes a little bit of setback and having to course correct and things of that nature. Um, so I just think from an agency's perspective that being there is just very, very instrumental. From a client perspective, not so much, which is kind of good. I don't know if I should be saying that or not. Um, but um, yeah, totally aligned with um, all of our panelists have said about, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah. and, and actually, to I'll ask this question to, to all of you but specifically for for british and, and nick because i imagine your your budgets are you know pretty epic compared to maybe the sort of budgets that you know ollie and myself is sort of used to <laughs> um <laughs> now that the world is more flat right and you know ollie touched on that you can now use anyone from anywhere across the world have have you started to use production companies out of the USA and have you noticed if you have has that have you noticed the difference in 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 budgets and and money and 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 value that you can get from these other places I sort of go where where the the talent is in a way it kind of doesn't matter to me where they are um but you you know you often get a good uh conversion rate on things uh the US dollar is tends to be right uh uh, a little higher sometimes. So if you if you if you go to say South America and work with someone down there, 
relative to us here in the U.S., um, you know, you get a good you get a good rate usually. Um, hence, for us, a year ago we 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 did shoot in Buenos Aires, and and I think for our client at the time, it, it cost almost half what it would have to say shoot in L.A. or New York. So you know, yeah, there's lots of benefits oh. to it. And and was and that was with all of you there present as well. It was still half yeah. half. Yeah. yeah. Yep. To, to Nick's point, um, I'm actually bidding a project right now, and the production value that you get for shooting offshore, I think, is a lot greater than it is um, in, in the U.S. I am potentially getting a three-day shoot for about 30% uh, less than I would um, in, in L.A., and L.A. is only offering me a two-day shoot, and the spot actually warrants three days. Um, so the overseas cost of production is just – its the, the value is just much, much better than I, I think it is in the U.S. And the, the talent is equivalent or in, in a lot of instances uh, better. Um, nicer, if you will. Um, so I think the, the direction to go that way, it, it, it'll, it'll never stop. I was just going to ask, like, wonder whether Jamie or, or British might have an uh, opinion on, you know, there's a lot of talk in the media around travel vaccination passports and and whether this, for me, it would seem like a really good idea for a, uh, for production to make to in, insist, I think actually, um, that's my opinion on vaccines that 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 uh, people are vaccinated on on your uh, sets. But I'm just wondering whether you think that would be feasible or just like a or another sort of hand of hand of authoritarianism that that is un, unnecessary. Actually, that is a fantastic segue. That's worked out really well into the shout out that we have for this podcast. Take it away, Elton. Elton John, audition, take one. My name is Elton John. Cut there. Little less showbiz, Elton. My name is Elton John. Bit more showbiz. My name is Elton John. Let's go for your Michael Caine impression. Just let's see what it's like. My name is Elton John. Beautiful cut there. The more people in society that get vaccinated, the more chance there is of eradicating the national COVID pandemic. It's really important to know that the vaccines have all been through and met the necessary safety and quality standards. So this is the bit where you're going to have the vaccine now, Elton. So right. just kind of pretend that you're having the vaccine from a nurse. Oh! What was that, Elton? That was me acting. OK, let's cut there. And as you can see, I'm still standing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Elton. We'll let you know. Oh. Well, at this short notice, you won't find anyone bigger. Thank you. Hello. My name is Michael Caine. I've just had a vaccine for COVID. It didn't hurt. Not many people know that. I cut that marvellous. That was fantastic. Thank, Thank you, Sir Michael. Uh, Claire, let the little fella know he didn't get the job. Well, there you go. If you want to shout out for any job roles, production services, or anything of value, please get in touch at awards at the com. Actually, there I know that there are discussions, LA specifically, that are going on that's talking about vaccination requirements to be on set. Um, I don't know 
if they'll actually be implemented or not, but the conversations are being had and some productions are requiring um, crew talent and such to be fully vaccinated to participate. And it may be more of a production by production basis or production company by production company um, mandate versus a universal uh, or global mandate, but it's, it's, it's happening. It's definitely happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm not aware of it being sort of touted in the UK as yet, but I think given they're talking about it for travel purposes here and across Europe, it won't be long till it's sort of part of the production thing as well. Um, it's a good question, though. Because it would reduce, I mean, if you could say, you know, if we're starting to talk about insurance yeah, absolutely. claims. And stuff of course. Like that, yeah. You know, if you, it would, it's got to have a knock-on effect for insurance um, policies to be cheaper if you have got, you know, a mandate on that. Maybe, um I mean, it's really not my territory insurance claims, but um, so I'm sort of, I'm, I'm into sort of strange waters here, and I God knows why I thought of this question, but but it did occur to me that um, there there is a degree to which I mean, fingers crossed and touch wood and all the rest of it that the shoots we've done haven't been massively hampered. It's I don't think we've got a permanent fix yet, have we? For the sort of U.S. production costs versus global costs. Um, I mean, as as a you know a production house who regularly use uh, service production people around the world, I'm seeing it, the, the states is always quite expensive and it's unionised you know, as is APA in London perhaps quite expensive, but I've seen quite a levelling off now when I go to uh, South America or when I go to Eastern Europe or whatever. Fee, fees are coming back surprisingly similar. And I'm reckoning that's to do with you know, triple bids and our industry scrutinizing costs in a way more globally than it ever did. Um, so I think these things will level out in time because the economic pressures are such that if you're in a market where you're getting loads of work, you then get more expensive because you can put your fees up. A bit like happened in South Africa probably 10 years ago until the RAND um, died a death and it went cheap again but it's those economic forces rather than perhaps the quality of production isn't it well i was just in, thinking jamie the, the um should the, the must usually the difference is people and so if you're and, and i know that you represent and are a production for animation and live action and a host of many other things but it seems to me that if you uh, like nick was saying if you need to go to if you need a um i don't know whether what his shoot was about but when I went and shot in um, Buenos Aires many years ago in a previous life, it was because we needed a big cast of people and people cost more money <laughs> than, you know, technology. And so the technology tends to be sort of, if you get animations from Bangkok or Hungary or Singapore, maybe that the costs are sort of a, a more even, even out. But if you, if you need a 200 people running somewhere, um, you, you, you go somewhere where the people are cheaper, which is a horrible thing to say, but it's because of the because of the exchange rate that kind of seems to be the be the thing. And actually, that then adds another issue because of COVID, and uh, you know the more people there are on a shoot, yeah, fair, fair that's point, true. Yeah. That's true, Ali. The 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 part of the reason was because the crews were you know less expensive down there. Um, the photographer happened to be. Argentinian, so that also figured into things. But uh, even even flying the agency down down there, um, figuring in all those costs, it was still significantly cheaper than doing it, say, in LA or New York. So it's really just hard to argue um, with that when you show clients 
what they're saving or what they're getting for their money. But uh, but yeah, the crew, the crews were less expensive. And we were building sets, so there was a significant amount of stuff going on there. Uh, and it was just all cheaper there. Interestingly, I mean, how how does the um how busy are have you been versus pre-covid pre-pandemic pre-lockdown how does how does the the workload compare for all of you i think i don't know in the u.s anyway um, healthcare agencies in my experience um have grown revenue over the past year so <laughs> i think it's not going uh it's going up in business versus going down which i'm very thankful for but uh you know, that's been my experience. Uh, we're busier than, than we were maybe two years ago, or this, or at least as, at least as. Busy. Yeah, we've grown. I mean, a ridiculous amount in the last year. Um, I th- we put on, uh, I think, something like thirty percent. Not not all of it is is um, sort of HCP facing, if you like. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of clients want internal work and stuff, so. And they have smaller budgets, and we sort of we're doing more more stuff in house as well. Actually, we have. I think this year has been sort of flat out, really. Um, and there's a lot of and, and quite a good mix as well of of animation and live action. I, I shouldn't really. I'm going to say something sort of, um, if not controversial, but naughty. Um, you know, the one benefit of, of doing shoots like this is that. Um, clients are actually uh can tune in to shoots without necessarily coming a lot of them find it hard to come to a shoot and anyway and don't know what to do when they're there apart from cause trouble or sit and be bored you know um and so actually that's a kind of benefit as well i'm seeing that that um you know we're they're letting us get on with it a bit you know and it's just uh, that's to a lot of creative people it's like great you know let us get on with it trust us and they don't want to have to spend any money traveling any any more than anyone else. And so, but it's a way for them to be able to see what we're doing. And, we're, and even if they're not on the shoot, we can, you know, we just send them stuff and they can get stuff so much more quicker than they used to. I mean, I don't know how I, you know, because um, I've been in the business for a while, I don't know how we did our jobs 20 years ago and 30 years ago. <laughs> All this, I have no idea. I just like must have been a nightmare. But equally, um, there was a bit of there was a bit of fun going on, I suppose. There is a little bit of to your very first point is that it's about travel. Is that there's a little bit of fun that's been edited out of the process, but yeah, well, it, it's not just the fun though. It's well, it's mm. fun, but it, it's the experimenting, I think, mm. and, and it's very hard to experiment when you're on Zoom. It's just you just see something and go, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to sleep mm. now. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you mentioned something really interesting, Ollie. Maybe we can sort of. Um, okay. out. again i know you're, you're an amazing segue into the next bit that you know we're sort of making up as we're going along um you, you talked about in-housing and we we touched on in-housing a little bit on the production podcast that we did mm-hmm. last year we talked about the rise of it the threats of it the benefits of it um let's i mean how much in-housing have you noticed occurring over the last year or so is it stayed the same is it declined is it increased you know jamie i've spoken to you many times in the last 12 months you know you're going directly to clients yourself now let's let's explore this a little bit and, and let's see where we end wait up a minute, wait a minute. directly to clients jamie is that I, right i don't know what he's talking about Nick. I, I, <laughs> 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 we could edit that bit out <laughs> 
How do you rewind what I just said? Yeah. In fairness, we've been signed up by Unilever and Procter and Gamble uh, and VW as production suppliers, uh, which ironically tends to mean we work through the agencies but are billing the the companies directly. So so we don't have the agency in between us, but we do work with them creatively. So it, it's not prevalent, uh, as far as I'm aware, in the pharma world, but it's definitely uh, in the in the broader, bigger retail world, uh, something that's happening for us. And I think if I may answer the question to heed, the in-housing seems to be beneficial to us in that I get more and more people uh, from an agency point of view, from a client point of view, who don't have certain things that they can do in-house coming to us asking for us because as Ollie kindly pointed out we have a very broad range of talent and therefore we fit into sort of specialisms all over the place um so I don't see it as a threat massively but I I think it, it is an adaptation of the industry that is happening you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but are you are you are you able to charge the same or are you getting less out of it financially it's a brilliant question, which you can probably edit out the answer. <laughs> what, I found, what I found is that when I have gone and worked directly with them, uh, they'll ask me for a production budget. I'll give it to them. They, they say, well, actually, that's what we pay by the agency. I'm like, well, yeah, because that's what it costs. I'm not, I'm not marking this up or, or making it loads cheaper just because we're working direct. You want a level of quality, and that's what we do. So it, it's an interesting thing. I think there's a mentality they, from a client side, you can get it cheaper if you go direct to a production company. We, we all are in production doing what we do. And my take is like, well, if you're cutting out the ad agency, you're saving a load on agency fees. Therefore, if anything, I'm going to try and charge you more. Um, so that, that that side of it hasn't really settled down yet. Um, and and th- there's all that talk as ever, you know, oh, this will be one of many projects and we're, we, you know, we're, we're going to make you a partner. Um, and I'm I'm too long in the tooth to buy into that. Yeah, and I guess you probably then start to realise the value of agencies in terms of them taking care of client requests and all of a sudden if you're exposed to, to that without the yeah. filter. <laughs> I can't well, imagine as that. You know, I, I, I did my time in agencies <laughs> yeah. many moons ago and yeah. I, I totally value their role. And I think without yeah account handling or production or creative, you know, as a production company, I can't do what you guys do and I would not want to get in that role and you definitely take out a lot of the client uh, lack of knowledge or the client's sort of indecision or the client's, you know, um, issues, let's say. I know. I find it very strange that uh, clients want to do that for any other reason than money. And then, and then if they're not getting any benefit from monetarily out of it, why, why would they want to do that? Because, you know, you, if, if an agency is being held responsible or accountable for a production and, and, and its quality, it's very hard if they don't have the control of all the, you know, the the the, the suppliers at their at their fingertips. So I, I, that's just I know it's slightly off topic, but that worries me. That but anyway. no, I, I think it's a very good point, Ollie. And I think the kind of desire for content is the problem. Brand brands are going well. We just need loads of content, and that isn't really how it works, is it? I mean, yes, you do need perhaps more content now for all the different media channels, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be considered and it shouldn't be run past you know, the agency and the creatives to give a campaign that marries up and is one thing rather than rubbish Instagram pictures versus a really nice TV ad versus some weird uh, point of sale materials, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So on the topic of in-house, we did an audit at the agency a few years ago and well, with one, it was a really big, I won't name the pharmaceutical client but it was a big client 
And the and what we found was that the only thing that they could get from the agency that they couldn't do themselves, meaning they couldn't do it in-house at their own giant pharmaceutical company, was getting the creative product and the strategic product from the agency. Those two things. I think the pro- I think the problem is getting the talent. They could theoretically do it, but I don't know any uh, creatives worth their salt who really want to go and work for you know a large pharmaceutical company. <laughs> God, you know, um, because the variation you get in an agency is is what you want, and it's a creative atmosphere, and it's not you know. So I think I can un- I can understand why these big pharma companies can't do it, and, and long may that continue. You know, uh, have you noticed any trends? over the last 12 months so have certain types of production literally just you know hit a wall for example still life you know still life 10 years ago was massive right commanded huge budgets with certain photographers i don't see too much of it nowadays everything seems to be very cgi led when it comes to taking beautiful shots of still life or pack shots what has hit a brick wall and what's thriving yeah that's that's a very good question so um throughout the pandemic the thing that didn't uh get a lot of love or attention, uh, which I thought really would, was kind of old school illustration, you know, standard um, illustration, which I presumed everyone would flock to because illustrators are sitting there at home able to work under any circumstances. And when we weren't able to go out and shoot at all, I presumed we would get a rush of that. And we did get quite a bit of CGI work and uh, 2D animation work through, but illustration didn't didn't pick up. So that was a bit of a trend. Uh, still life has become very specialized. Yeah, so there's jewelry stuff or very high-end product stuff, but you're right, Shahid, everything else um, is either uh, created in CG or doesn't seem to be shot anymore. Yeah, you know, I don't know where that work. You're absolutely right. We used to be killing that, thriving on that end. Um, and the bigger kind of retail work, I see they've cut a lot of edits and, and haven't shot nearly as much as they have, whereas Farmer has been a lot busier, certainly from our side, than it w- would have been on a traditional year. So those, those are the trends. And going back to what I was saying before about how global prices seem to be somewhat stabilizing, I, I agree with Nick and Ollie about the kind of um, crew sizes and, and the per-person per cost. But, but it is weird to me, when I get a brief in from um, a brand, which will be unnamed, and they ask me to look at a production cost out of you know, four or five different territories, it's weird how in- incredibly similar they seem to be now, so that, that globalization is a trend. And it, it, yes, totally is dependent on the quality of the people you're trying to work with. Um, but good level people seem to know there's a, a global cost for certain things. And therefore, the budget come in remarkably similar. You might shave, you know, depending on the size of it, 5%, 10% down by being in a different place. It's not what it used to be where you could find something at like you know, 80% cheaper than somewhere yeah. else. Um, you know, a funny thing that sometimes crops up with um, just in, in, in the spirit of anecdotes or stories is we'll, we'll say to a client, hey, this is we're, we're going to, you know, we're doing a shoot. And, you know, we'd like to, um, we want to do this um, in like, say, for instance, someplace exotic sounding like, you know, we need to go to Hawaii to shoot this. And, and, uh, and it's for good reason uh, for, for the location or the, or the actual, you know, uh, the need to be there. Um, And sometimes it's happened to us where clients hear like, like Buenos Aires, even where a client will hear that and say, well, it's so exotic. Why do we need to go? You know, and then we go, well, 
here's the reasons, but also it's half half the price of doing it in LA. <laughs> so it's always fascinating when when sometimes the optics trump the cost even, where they go, well, no, we want to shoot it in LA because the optics of going somewhere is not great. And then I'm just like, yeah, but it's half the price. Like, what, really? <laughs> so that, that's like a funny thing that sometimes happens. Um, uh, I don't know what to do with that kind of sometimes, but that, that happens occasionally. I, I've had the opposite, Nick, where um, they ask us to go to somewhere like that. And then they, uh, you know, I have, you have to point out, well, that's actually in winter in Buenos Aires right now. We're not going to have you know, an eight hour shoot day. You're, you're going to have a, a curtailed, you know, so seasonality yeah. can kick in a bit. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's classic, isn't it? I just have one question because I wrote down um, what you said at the beginning, and you know, are there any tips for working remotely or working in um, in this in this kind of post COVID or mid COVID world? And I I was just sort of wondering. I I couldn't think of anything really uh, profound, so I was just wondering if British or Jamie or Nick had had any tips and I'll try and think of something before, before they stop talking. But, but, um, uh, what was the question? Ali? tips about working in this, in the COVID? Yeah. I mean, just kind of, uh, always, uh, wear your pants over your trousers kind of thing, you know, that sort of, thing, you know, uh, I don't know, just, just easy, easy sort of sound bites to remember. Yeah. I don't know why that would be a thing, but execution know. is everything, Ollie. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of sort of fake superhero thing. Yeah. always work with JSR. <laughs> well in, well in there. Thanks, dude. Thanks. Uh, I don't, for me, it's like it's. I don't know. I, I tend to again. I le- I I like working with people who I have a, a creative rapport with. You know, so like an understanding. I don't. I don't like necessarily. I do want to always do new things and work with new people. So I'm always ever expanding my. Uh, my, my repertoire of people I work with, but there's something really nice with like, for instance, Jamie's, you know, worked karaoke before and those guys are amazing. Sometimes there's a tendency to sit back and, and to let other people do things. But I think there's so many new issues that pop up working like this. And I, and I think that's the, it, everything's changed so much. You can't just rely on all the experiences that you've had, you know, in the previous in previous shoots and stuff everything is new and so i think there are all whole are a whole bunch of new things to start worrying about and be and be aware of and, and to take into consideration and that and that's what's interesting i find that has been quite exciting to be in a slightly different scenario but um yeah you know there, there's always an element obviously whichever shoot whatever shoot you're doing is new by definition but the, the multitude of things that can go wrong by doing um you know, doing remote stuff uh it's just it's it's just a whole different set of, of, of um, problems to overcome, and so I think as creative people, we just we we need to be quite vigilant. Well, one of the tips that I got from from what you guys were talking about earlier is maybe where possible insist that you can go on the shoot. What would be the worst thing in the world is in the next twelve months, it just being you know ninety nine percent of shoots you know no one no one physically goes because it just fundamentally saves money and you kind of get a similar execution anyway so maybe that's something to consider as an industry if we want to keep going to south america or south africa and you know get the best out of it and having the right people on set because obviously i would say prior to pandemic we would have a lot of people who perhaps might be deemed necessary but really weren't creatively involved and that um 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there are other things beyond just the end product of being there live. To, you know, like the idea that when you have your client there and the team there, there's a camaraderie that happens. There's there's a, a trust that's even built further. So that's just one example of something that happens beyond just affecting yeah. the actual end product, which uh, to me is the most important thing. But there's lots of other benefits that um, come along with it. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, let, let's conclude the podcast there then. I just want to thank you for getting up so early, especially, you know, Nick and, and British. Thank, thank you, you so much. I hope you've woken up now and uh, you can really enjoy your Friday. And of course, many thanks, Ollie, again for joining the podcast. And, and Jamie, thanks so much for setting this up, coming up with this idea. And I hope many people listening to this will get something out of it. If not, they've killed an hour of their day. And, uh, you know, and if you do enjoy listening to these podcasts please do subscribe and share whenever possible